Yeah, obvious. We got a problem here. And it's more than just Alvin screaming Punisher. When life begins to suck, who's reporting it? Luckily, you got two friends who you won't forget. Coming live, Alvin and friend on survival. Laughing nonstop, case drops on a cycle. Louder than intrusive thoughts off an iPhone. How they make the world seem bright with the lights off? AFs, it might as well stay up. Lies being told like that dinosaur BS. Magnifying glass to the ground if they don't see us. Having the time, roasting your favorite pizza. Bougie ain't an option, it's the wage. Take it to the grave, have moving to the place. You already know when they take the case. Laugh the pain away, it's affirmative murder. Hello and welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder. Done a little bit differently this time. We are coming to you uh, through the airwaves of the internet for the first time ever. I'm Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. Hey man, hey! Listen, hey, listen. There's gonna be nervous. There's gonna be there's gonna be technical difficulties this episode. (laughs) Just people need to understand that, okay? We're working with a whole new infrastructure. I'm doing my best to be on the ones and twos, uh, but we're gonna figure it out, okay? Uh, Fran, like I said, we are now for the first time since quarantine, since uh, the pandemic, and that was a shit show. We were just on the. I just called you on the phone. It wasn't that long ago. Where we were recording, we did did one recently. Where we recorded over the over not in the same room. Yeah, and it was th- it was terrible. It was maybe like a month or two ago, but maybe it wasn't that long a, ago. Maybe a fo- was it a, but it was still a phone it call, was, right? It was terrible. Yeah, yeah it, was, it, was, like it was terrible. It was a phone call. This is a whole different experience. Hopefully, I can't tell until, you know, I won't be able to know until we I get into the the actual audio files, but if it's this is turns out how I want it to, it you won't even notice any difference. But let me tell you, Fran is at his house, I'm in my house. Yes. We're trying something new. And we're hopefully, if everything goes right, there's a video component happening right now. You're like, you're watching this. Um, <laughs> but if everything went terribly, then this isn't even out. And we're just talking to each other and Fran didn't hit record or I didn't hit record and something went wrong. But yeah. we're, we're winging it and we're just going to see what happens. Fran, how are you doing? How's life? What's new? Uh, I'm doing good, man. I'm in the comfort of my own home and my, and my nice little, you know, uh-huh. uh, I can call it my podcast type of, you know, studio slash uh-huh. man cave yeah. going on. Yeah. Uh, I'm feeling good though, but I do want to warn the listeners that now that I'm in my house, you will hear kids in the background, right? Sure. So it's gonna be some noise. Uh-huh. I do have a dog, a puppy. Yes. He will bark. Biscuit. So yes, biscuit. So just some, just get some warnings out there. Okay. Well, we will hopefully, uh, you know, our mics are good enough that we will minimize that as much as possible. But okay. again, we're trying something new. So we will work. We will figure all this out. I just, you know, we always, as always, appreciate people coming along with us on this journey. We're trying something new to be able to optimize the system here and optimize being able to record from, you yeah. know, cutting out uh, commuting and things like that. So in the meantime, if the audio suffers a bit, we will correct it over time. I guarantee you that. Fran, enough of this goo gob and and, 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 you know, and, and what you call it about technical things. Let's get into the life stuff. Fran, yes. I wanted to talk to you. I've been burning to talk to you about this thing that's happened. Uh, the, the trial is happening right now for this uh, ex-NFL player, hope, ex-Canadian football league hopeful, Travis Rudolph. Uh, Travis Rudolph uh, got into a domestic situation, altercation with uh, his girlfriend mm-hmm. uh, where uh, they got into a squabble of some kind. He pushed her out of his house. She calls her brother. And tells him to come shoot up Travis Rudolph's house. Yeah. 
Um, he ga- he gathers up for three of his most menacing uh, crew squad, uh, mm-hmm. you know things are like that, whatever it is. They get in a car, they go to Travis Rudolph's house, they kick, they they knock on the door very very aggressively. Travis Rudolph's brother opens the door up. They begin giving this man the beats, something vicious, <laughs> in the doorway of the yeah. house. They're beating him up. Travis Rudolph peeks around the corner and is like, "Oh my God, they're beating my brother up." Yeah. He goes and grabs. Uh, a weapon, uh, like an assault rifle, AR-15, I believe it was, you know, the controversial weapon these days. But he had an AR-15, he got an AR-15, and this took place in Florida. So he had stand your ground on on his side. He begins dumping the clip viciously at these men. They mm-hmm. flee. He runs out of the house, chases after them, continues to shoot, hits one of the guys. I believe a man is dead. Um, and um, the rest of them got away. And the trial is taking place now. I don't know. I think the trial, the case, will be, he'll either be found not guilty or I think it'll be dismissed. Um, friend, what are your thoughts on this whole case as far as, you know, the girlfriend, the, how it went down, things of that nature? Yeah, so uh, we talked about this off air and I, I saw the TikTok maybe like a couple of days ago. I didn't know that it was, this was recent and this was like a trial going on right now. Yeah. So all of that was completely new to me. I was like, oh, when you told me, I was like, oh, this is like. In real time, this, it's happening. This is going on right now. So. So I was shocked about that, but I mean, like, I feel like in that moment with uh, Mr. Rudolph, right? His name Rudolph. Mm-hmm. Yep, Travis Rudolph. Travis, I feel like in that moment when you're trying to protect, you know, your family, yourself, your property, and you already in the mindset of like survival mode. Yeah. Him running off his property, I think that's just the adrenaline. I think that's all built up into that. I don't think he he would have been like. You know, thinking about, oh man, I can't run past this. Yeah, the technicalities of the law. Yes. Yeah. And I just think, you know, I'm not, I wouldn't put that against him. But what the problem I do have with now, we've seen a lot, has it been happening recently? And it happens, actually happened to a a basketball player that we talked about uh, last, you know, last episode was what's up with, you know, I don't know if it's just females. I don't want to just put it on females, but people putting their family members in these predicaments yes. where it's like calling oh someone. i need you to do this this and it's like these people are going like you know this is my family i gotta protect them and putting your life on the line essentially there's like the handle of some type of scuffle or something that can be worked out you know other than violence yes you put you put your siblings in this case anyway siblings in yeah. a very precarious situation friend you have older brothers um, I don't have older brothers. I am the older brother. And the idea that one of my brothers would call me to handle something and then I get there and it goes out of hand, that's always something that you should think about when you make those kind of phone calls, you know, because right. your pride is going to tell you well, you, you have to step in and, and fulfill your role. Yeah. But you as the person making that call should take that into account to go, why would I invite somebody to potentially throw their life away? If you, right. if you, and specifically in this case, that That's young selfish. lady, yeah, it's, it's, it's one thing to be, you know, 12 and your, your brother's 15 and you're getting bullied at the basketball court and you know, it's just going to be a fight. That's yeah, that happens. That's life. But to be this woman and to be mad at your boyfriend because he, you found some, you know, unsavory things in his phone. This woman's married, by the way. That came out in court. So she's married. He Travis Rudolph did not know she was married. She finds things in his phone, gets mad at him, the man who does not know that he's dating a married woman, and she hauls off and hits him. And then when he pushes her away out of the house, she calls her brother and is like, come shoot this shit up. 
you see, it's a trope in movies a lot where there's a lot of girls in movies or, you know, guys in movies too that are like, my brother's the most invincible person in the world. So when I call them, shit's going to go down. But yeah. guess what, man? So- sometimes your brother can lose too. And then yeah. that's embarrassing. You know what I mean? You right. call your brother talking all that shit. Your brother comes up there, gets knocked out. Now what? Yeah. And in this case, your brother came up there. He, he's, he texted her back saying he's a dead man walking, referring to Travis Rudolph. Um, and he came up there and Travis Rudolph was not ready to die that day. <laughs> um, he defended his home and his brother and he did it, you know, in my uh, opinion, justifiably. I don't, I don't see a world where this guy gets convicted of anything, manslaughter or the, you know, anything else. If somebody breaks into your home four deep, they start pummeling your brother and you feel like your life is in danger and you feel the need to shoot your gun until the threat is eliminated. Yeah. I think we get into a real gray area when we try to figure out where, at what point in that altercation he was wrong. Like, was he wrong when he stepped out on the lawn? Was he wrong when he, at what point was it no, no longer defending? That's, that's too gray for me to even want to dive right. into. So I yeah. feel like, I feel like he will be, you know, let off, um, found not guilty, whatever the you know case may be case will be dismissed. I don't know. But yeah, um, and it's Florida, you know, uniquely enough. So <laughs> you're up for anything down there. You, you, you know, you, you stand, you stand, you stand to do pretty good as far as getting off goes. So um, yeah, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be monitoring that case for sure. It, it was it was an interesting one because it just it got so out of hand, and the, the trial's happening, and the girls on the witness stand, and she's just doing a terrible job. Um, she's she's on the side of her brother and and his friends talking against Travis Rudolph while also trying to defend the fact that she called her brother there. So she's saying, I told him to come shoot, shoot his house up, but I didn't say shoot him, which makes her look incredibly dumb and, and yeah. adds to adds to Travis Rudolph's case uh, being dismissed. I think the dumber she looks, the better it is for him to go, look at what I had to deal with, man. This girl called her brother. I mean, like, well, come on, what was I supposed to do? She tried to get me killed. So I'm interested to see how that plays out. But uh, in the meantime, it is it's something to, uh, fun or not fun, but something interesting to keep an eye on because the, the different um, cross examinations have been entertaining. Yeah. Fun was fun was a bad word to use, but entertaining uh, is a word that feels better to use. Um, speaking of entertaining entertainment things, you know, people, the world is so dumb. Uh, friend, this kid, Cameron Robbins, mm-hmm. RIP to him, but we have to call a spade a spade. Um, this kid jumped off a, of, cruise ship in the middle of the night on what appears to be a dare. They were filming him. He jumps off the boat. I, I guess he thought it was like a pool. Like you land and then you pull yourself back up by the side of the pool. And, and then, aha, funny. I did it. I'm, I'm, I'm brave. Yeah. Uh, he jumped off the, the cruise ship in the middle of the night and immediately disappeared. Also, anytime after the sun goes down in the middle of the ocean is oh, in the middle of the night. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pitch black. Oh, to, a friend. <laughs> oh, to, to people who have never been on a cruise ship, help me, help me. It's a, it's a dark you've never, you'll never see. Like it's yeah. a dark you've never experienced before. There's no lights in the distance. The best thing you have going for you is the stars in the sky. And if it's a cloudy night, it is, uh, it is as black as a black hole. To fall into that ocean and that boat keeps going and slowly drifts away from you, and the little bit of light that that thing lets off, and then you are. You might as well be treading water with your eyes closed. But that's not—it's not, it's it, not slowly moving at all. True, those it's, things be moving. Yeah. So it, the, the, <laughs> and when you're in the ocean, oh, that yeah. thing is. <laughs> the way that light just slowly goes away, and you might, like I said, you might as well sit, you might as well be swimming there with your eyes closed because it looks—it would look exactly the same. 
I think it goes into that conversation we were having uh, a pod or two ago about we were talking about the basketball player John Morant and showing off and flexing for social media and the music and the social media and the influences that it's having over kids, I think is at an all time high. Sure. I, I think rap music, I think rock music has had its moments where people go, is this making kids do crazy things? But I think the combination of social media kind of infiltrating day-to-day life and how people communicate and what people prioritize, people are just absorbing things and wanting to be a part of things and everything feels smaller. So everything feels more attainable. Like you can just, the idea of going viral isn't some uh, dream. Mm -hmm. Like anybody at any given time can go their idea of viral. You know, I remember when we were young, going viral meant like you broke the internet. Like right. chocolate rain, yeah. You know, like it was something, <laughs> something crazy. Like it, you were, you beca- you were, you were on Good Morning America. But now it's like, did you? Would you get ten thousand retweets? Would you get a uh, hundred thousand views on a TikTok? And you're, and you will have this inflated confidence, this self worth, and you will feel like this is a career path for you now. And in a ways, it is. Yeah, I just, I don't. At first, man, I'm like. Certain stuff I thought, you know, think it's funny, like, you know, the crate challenge. You know, that's that's harmless. Yeah. You know, videos like that where you get like a broken rib or your little bruise. You yeah. laugh about that, but it's that's like, you dust dust it off. That's kid stuff. Right. Kids get I hurt. I mean, like uh these TikTok guys who are walking in people's house. I mean, like it's it's getting I out think of hand. It's, it's getting out of hand. It's getting very It's scary, beyond man. out of hand. It's jumping off scary, a man. jumping off a cruise ship. For the laughs, yeah, is crazy. I yeah. mean, like, I don't know what his friend said to him. I don't know if this was a dare. I don't know if they. Hey man, he double dog dared him. We talked. He, well, yeah, he you can't. Dog dared this man. You can't like, back down from a double dog dare. No, you can't. You know. But I mean, like. But is it worth it, your life? Is it worth going viral and not being able to enjoy it? That's the viral <laughs> I don't like. I mean, he's about <laughs> as viral as you can get right now. I mean, I'm trying to be respectful, but I he got what he asked for. You know, that's poetic justice in a way. Like, it, yeah. it's funny how life works. You did this for attention. And now you got a whole heap of attention, but you're gone. Man. You know, so you got what you asked for, but it's like making a deal with the devil. You wanted to get you wanted to you wanted to get attention, the devil will will sell you a dream in a crazy way. I'll make you the most famous dude in the world at your school. You'll be the most fa- you'll be the most talked about kid at your school all year round cuz you're dead. Yeah. You know, they'll be you'll be talked about forever. People going to get tattoos about you. People going to do all kind of stuff to to memorialize you. You're going to be you're immortal now. I mean, but, then, but, you're, but in order to become immortal, you had to die. Eat by a shark, man. I don't even think it got that far. You I mean, when you talking about that dark, I think he probably landed in the water, couldn't find up from down, and I don't think he lasted very long out there. I don't think he just, I don't think he lasted very long out there. It's really, know, it's a really a sad way to go. I'm sure it was very cold. There like, was a video, but it, you know, people point out like he, I think they think he got dragged out. Where he jumped in that was shark infested waters. Oh, that's Wherever what they, they said. Was at, that's what they said. It was very shark infested waters, and the video was like, "Oh, you can." Uh, I don't know, man. But it's like it's either he drowned or he got eaten by a shark. I mean, like, both of those else? things are terrible. Yes. What do yes. you rather? What, what, what would you rather? I'd rather drown, man. <sighs> Getting torn to pieces? I don't know. I don't yeah. Know about that. Uh, what? Hey, what a what a choice, right? <laughs> I, I mean, I'm sorry for poison, him, but man. Like, yeah, like, like I mean, I'd rather neither of them. I'd rather, you know, what I'd rather have not jump off Froyo. I'd rather Froyo all night long. I mean, those Froyo machines on those cruise ships, bottomless. How about oh. I, do, I, do, I triple dog dare you to go eat up as much Froyo as you can? I would take a stomach ache, stomach poison in a heartbeat. 
in any of those. What was the law? If you don't, if you don't jump in the ocean right now, you what? You a bitch, man. That's that. I mean, it. that's it. That that's was the it. stakes. I mean, like, are they gonna shoot your mom? Like, what is it? What did like? You gotta offer me some crazier stakes than this. You know, was was Liam Neeson on the boat? Did he? Was he gonna kidnap? Some, like, I mean, what? There has to be bigger stakes than if you don't do this, you're a bitch. A girl. Girl could have been there. Well, like, if a girl, if a girl, you'd be surprised what I'd do if a girl double dog dared me. In teenage years. At 18, and you feel and you like the girl? We do a lot of stupid stuff. You know, so I'm you know, I'm not blaming women for this one, but I'm just saying, or you know, who know? I don't know uh, uh Cameron Robbins' sexual orientation. Yeah. Somebody that he was attracted yeah. to yeah, yeah, yeah. might have asked him this, and that's a whole different ballgame. This was I don't know, I think th- this was like a graduation type of Oh wow, wow! So he might have been. This this might have been a a lot of a bunch of teenagers on a cruise ship, which sounds like like if every parent at a school, if this is what happened, this should never happen again. If a bunch of parents at that school bought their kids cruise ship tickets as graduation presents, because my mom did that for us. Yeah, my mom and and I think your dad. I don't know how it went, but we went on a cruise. Yeah, uh, when we graduated, mm-hmm. and if the, if if a bunch of if that was a if there were more than twenty kids from the same school on that cruise ship, that's completely irresponsible. The girl that I like <laughs> is on the cruise ship. Yeah, now you put me in predicament. I'm. What am I gonna not jump off the boat? Yeah, she's about know, to go to Spelman. Yeah, I'm going to local community college. We're both following our dreams. Her <laughs> dreams are bigger than mine, obviously, but she's leaving the state. This is my last chance. And I just got triple dog dared to jump off the boat. But you know what's kind of fucked up? At least I think this is kind of fucked up. Maybe, you know, we disagree, but stuff like this, I go, I always think of how could I not be, how could I not find myself in situations like that? I can't swim. So I don't care what you double dog dare. I would go, no. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You dare me to die? (laughs) Because Cameron Robbins, he thought... That's the arrogance of a teenager is he was like, I can swim. Yeah. yeah so he, I think he thought he could ocean. handle the currents of the ocean. Which is why. But you, you're like, I can't swim at all. Yeah. So you're daring me to kill myself. But was it like a, was it like, was it a cruise ship or was it a, somebody that went to school, family is pretty wealthy, they have a yacht? Where I don't, he it could, looked like a pretty big boat. I don't think but, it was just like a yacht. Yeah, but where he can go, if I jump off this boat, they could just I, tell him to stop the boat and I'll swim back to the boat. No way he jumps off the boat and go like. And thinks the carnival cruise, the yeah, the carnival (laughs) cruise will stop right now. Throw me a donut down. It'll be a real easy peasy lemon squeezy type of situation. They threw him a raft. They threw him a raft into the dark. But he was like, oh man, the shadow. But they were saying, but the thing about it in the video, they told him to grab the little donut, whatever whatever it's called, raft, whatever. And he was swimming the other way. That's why they were saying a shark appeared for him. Mm, He like he ran away from the other way. Oh wow, that's swimming. I'm sorry, swimming the yeah. Absolutely tragic, man. Like I said, rest in peace to Cameron Robbins. That is a terrible way to go. Life snuffed out. Just graduated. I mean, man, life life to look forward to. Snuffed out because family, of impulse. Man. The family and the family. Yeah, I mean, absolutely sad. And it doesn't help for you know dickheads like us to be on here commentary commentating about it. But it is what it is. I don't know. It was a crazy story to hear, and I felt like I wanted to talk about it. Yeah. Now, Fran. Yes. Controversially, what we're gonna do? Hear me out. Okay. Because we are still working out some kinks, I promise we are going to get to the shout outs. But I feel like for the purposes of trying to understand how to (laughs) do the music and all that, we need to practice. And so anybody who's joined the Patreon, we are so grateful and appreciative to to you. As a matter of fact, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to just do them acapella. 
Because I'm as I'm talking, I don't feel com- I don't want to do that, Fran. These people that you know, they expect us to you know. Th- this is what we this is what we do. Yeah. So uh, you know, I'm not going to be able to play the uh, shout music, but I can shout you out still. Why you know, I can still. Because you can't. Well, yeah, I don't. It's what I'm, I'm playing the phone through the Bluetooth. I got a lot of moving parts here, and I just don't want to mess up the recording. You playing the phone through the Bluetooth? Yeah, that's oh, how I play the yeah, music. Yeah. So why can't you? Cause I don't, I don't know if it. I just don't know. I don't know. This is new, man. We're in uncharted waters here. Don't act like, don't act like you don't understand, man. Don't act like you don't, don't get what we're doing. Man. People you know, want to hear the song. We're in the Matrix right now, bro. No, people want to hear their name, and people have made it very clear. <laughs> been, I when they don't I hear their name, I told you. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. So that, yeah, I actually, I actually changed my mind out of fear. So let me, let me be, let me clarify that. I changed my mind out of fear because I don't need any more messages from any of you people <laughs> threatening me and lawsuits and uh, as it, they it, should. It gets as nasty. they should. It gets nasty. Um, this we we actually have a quick yes, quick one. We have a. Uh, uh, we're going to do four quick ones. we got a shout-out to Jenna M. Shout-out to Jenna M. Thank you so much for joining. Hope you're enjoying the content over there. we got another shout-out to Carol Ann. Shout-out to Carol Ann. Much love and appreciation to you. we got another shout-out to Jazzy J. Shout-out to Jazzy J. Not Jazzy Jeff, Fran. Oh, okay. Not right. Jazzy Jeff. Calm down. I was Settle excited, down. man. I know. Hey, he still eludes us every so, you know. It's summertime, but we have not been able to track down the DJ Jazzy Jeff. But we will. One day. He's my white whale, friend. And lastly, we got a big shout-out to Tay901. Shout-out to Tay901. Um, what area code is that? Uh, 901. Um, uh, 410. I was trying to do hoes in different area codes okay. to, to decipher it, but I don't know. <laughs> Not, 901. 304. They'll let us know. Yeah, yeah. Whatever 901 is, shout-out to you. Their picture is Elmo burning in hell. So, um, yeah, shout-out to uh, you. That's a fun. It's a funny, it's a meme, it's a meme, it's a funny meme, it's a funny meme. It's not, it's not like evil or demonic. I know, I've seen, I've seen it, I've seen it. Yeah, you know, I thought you know. it was just like, I thought it was like their own, like, oh, we, I hate Elmo, so. No, no, I don't think that's hell. what that means. I think it just means chaos, it just, uh, chaos, yeah, everything's yeah, yeah, chaos. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, so shout out to Tate901. Uh, thank you all very much for the support that you show, whether it's on Patreon or not. But if it's through Patreon, we got much love and appreciation for you guys doing that and, you know, and, 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 and uh, looking out for us in that way. And, and we hope to continue to provide content for you and provide some new content for you. Uh, like, hopefully, you watching this. If this came out right, if it did not, then just ignore what I just said. But one of the things we wanted to be able to bring people on Patreon is video versions of the podcast. And that is why things are a little bit wonky today. Look. We're moving in the right direction right now. We got. I think so. Now that we got this different setup, we, the, look, we promise the content is coming. Yes. It's coming. Yes. You just need some patience, but yes. it is coming. Yes, 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 yes. It's giving, it's giving, it's giving, it's giving. It's giving workhorse, friend. You're there, I'm here, but we're ready to just anytime. It's like, hey, man, I just got a brilliant idea. Let's get on it. You know, Let's that was it, the yeah. intention yes. of going wireless this way. And we're going to see how it pans out. So just work with us, bear with us, bears, beats. Battlestar Galactica. Um, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna get to some fucked up shit. So stick around. Affirmative Murder is brought to you by My Life in a Book. With Mother's Day right around the corner, I just know you guys are thinking about a truly special gift for your mom. But let me tell you about a pretty priceless gift. MyLifeinabook.com. It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book that you could pass down from generation to generation, which I think is a pretty awesome memento to leave behind. Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions that you want to ask. Your mother or the mother 
can either type her response or record her voice. MyLifeInABook.com then compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. And guess what? They can even create an audio book using her voice recordings. It would be like preserving her voice and her stories for all of eternity. Your mom's giving you a lifetime of stories, and this is your chance to give her a way to share them. I'm in the middle of my MyLifeInABook.com journey, and I'm really excited to see how it turns out. I've been asking some pretty thought-provoking and funny questions, and, you know, I'm excited to see the response, but I'm also just excited to have the physical book in my hands and know that I can look back on it in 20, 30 years. The interface is super user-friendly. The questions are super easy to set up. It's a breeze of a process. So what I need you to do is check out MyLifeInABook.com. That's MyLifeInABook.com. And use code AMP. That's A-M as in Mother's Day. P at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for the mom in your life this Mother's Day. One more time. That's MyLifeInABook.com. Use code AMP for 10% off today. And we are back. Fran, uh, uh, to inform the people of where we're, our heads were at with this week's episode, um, a couple of pods back, we discussed briefly um, uh, the Daniel Penny situation mm-hmm. uh, in the subway in New York with Jordan Neely, um, the absolutely sad and tragic uh, situation that took place. And that made me and Fran get to discussing vigilantism and other incidents of this, a la George Zimmerman. Uh, but before Daniel Penny and before George Zimmerman, there was another vigilante in the early 80s in New York City, the same subway stations where Jordan Neely was you know, tragically killed. Um, and that is the story of Bernie Getz. So um, I felt like it was you know, a poignant story to talk about. Uh, and have discussions about vigilantism. We'll save those opinions, obviously, for a bit before while we get into the Bernie Getz story and, and really flush it out. But then we, you know, I f- you know, feel free. Obviously, Fran, I'll ask you at the end. But at any point in the middle, or any point, you know, during our, our telling of this story, if you want to give your thoughts on how you feel about vigilantism, you know, the floor is yours, obviously. Um, and uh, so, yeah, uh, we're gonna get into this story now. So uh, Bernie Getz was an electronics expert living in Queens, New York in the 1980s after returning to the city from Orlando, Florida, post-divorce. Getz was an unassuming and kind of nerdy looking guy, I would say, Fran, would you agree? I mean, you know, I don't mean to pass judgment, but he was kind of small. He was small. He wore glasses, kind of yeah. disheveled. You know, he, he, he looked like a, like, a, like, a, like a nerdy guy. Yeah. Uh, he, he, looked like, he looked like a mark. Yeah. Honestly, you know, he looked like a mark. Like if you saw him, if I was, if I had evil intentions on my mind and I wanted to take somebody's wallet, he would be a guy that I thought was food. Yeah. I mean, like other than what we know, when we go over this story that we know about this guy, his looks just based on his appearance kind of matched who he was. I mean, he went to, you know, attended a boarding school and then, you know, college and was in the tech. So it's kind of like nerdy, right? Y- yeah. Well, yeah. yes, he's smart. I, that's what I'm saying. I'm trying not to. Those are things that are great. You're going to have a great yeah, life. Think, you're going to make right. a living. You know, yeah. it's nothing wrong with being a nerd. Is my right. point. I'm saying, I don't think nerd does nerdy doesn't being a nerd has an, like a negative connotation to it. I mean, like it, it does. You know, people does? think of you like having okay. like allergies and having glasses that won't stay on your face. It, it, and that's what he looks like, though. So I'm but like Suspenders. there's nothing wrong with. Yeah. <laughs> Steve Urkel. Steve Urkel is what comes to mind when you think of a nerd. Right. And nobody thinks Steve Urkel is cool. <laughs> but my point is, we live in a different time now. And. The nerdy dudes are the cool dudes, like, yeah. you know, people with interests and, you know, hobbies and, yeah. you know, eclectic things. 
there's nothing wrong with being nerdy is my no. point. But got, there is something. Teslas, so I think it's pretty cool. Exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> who, who, they, they invent Teslas. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, there is nothing, still nothing wrong. Let me rephrase. Being nerdy can be an, a hindrance when you live in a dangerous city and you're riding the subway is, is the only point to bring up how he looks. And New York City. In New York City, you ride on a train, you look like it's easy to rob you. Yeah. That's not good. You don't want to look easy to rob in a city where people rob people. That's true. And he did. That is true. He looked easy to rob. Have you ever felt like you looked easy to rob in uh, any way you went? I never felt like I looked easy to rob, but one time we were at the movies and I had on some I had on some Rod Lever yeah. Adidas. Today, I mean, these ASAP Rocky, these, you know, Danny Brown, very high up fashion dudes are wearing these shoes. But at the time, I was ahead of my, ahead of things. You know, they, you know, some people say they look like G-Unit sneakers, which at this point, they weren't the most hot commodity. Maybe they never were G-Unit sneakers, were never in fashion. But that's not what I was wearing. Yeah. Now, when we walked through the movie theater, you by we I mean you were my you were by my side. Yeah, you know, ro- ro- rolling as my homie. Yes, sir. Now, in my mind, friend, please, rem- you know, tell me if I'm exaggerating. Okay. It felt like it was like six dudes on each side, almost like we were walking down the Soul Train aisle. Yes. And so one dude was like, "Oh, he got G units on," and then a pack of hyenas began to cackle. Well, what happened was it was a six guys on one side. There was a bench. Sure. There was a double-sided bench. Yes. All the guys was on that side, but there were girls on the uh, against the wall uh-huh. on the other side. Oh, so, so it was we, six guys and six. So I walked into a like a, a big date. So as we <laughs> as we were walking and through, got made fun of, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, like the guy. Well, one guy dropped the joke. Dropped the joke. The girls were on the side. You know, that's what. That's what I don't remember girls laughing. Do. I might have blocked. Boys I guess do. I blocked that out. In my mind, it was all dudes in hoodies menacing. No, no, they no. all had broken bottles in their hand, and so I couldn't speak. <laughs> I, it would be crazy for me to to, to defend myself because it's twelve dudes. Nah. So you kind of took away some of the office. Okay, it's six dudes and, and six girls. Yeah, but okay. I I thought it was hilarious because when we before we went out, I was like, I thought you, you did ask G-Units. me. You said, "Are those G units?" I said, "No, nah, <laughs> man. These are the latest fashion. These are Rod Lever like Adidas." These guys man. wasn't like just uh, no, they weren't wrong. It. <laughs> it just yeah. it out. No, no. Listen, if you pulled up a picture of G unit sneakers, because after we got to the other side, you know, because you were like. Did, are you going to say something? I said, no, I'm not saying anything to these people. It's 12 guys back there. I made it up in my head. That I was like, but when I got over to the other side, my pride was hurt. So I like went on my blackjack and it, the web browser wasn't what, what it was. Then you got to pull up the, a whole, a whole web screen and yeah. like use the scroll and yeah. the arrow. And I, and I pulled him up. And I said, see, I said, see that it's different. I just, just to you, just to help my pride. I was like, see, this is, it's different than they're not. <laughs> It's not a G unit. It's, yeah. it's a Rod Lever. It's different. It looks different. See, this is a G unit, and this is a Rod Lever. I had to do that to myself because I wasn't gonna do it to them. Yeah. So in that moment, well, I wouldn't say I got ass whipped if you would. Exactly. Lied. If I was like, no, they're Rod Lever. Ad- I'm gonna say the whole thing. Yeah. They're Rod Lever Adidas. You dumbass. And now we're getting the beats. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm not trying to get the beats. Oh, in the severely. Of- I mean, like Man, two of us. <laughs> I'm like a buck thirty at the time. I'm like, no. Yeah, just, I mean, I'm, we're getting, I'm getting, we're getting tossed around. <laughs> I'm getting, they take my shoes off, put them on their feet and stomp me with my own shoes. It, it would have got dark in my mind. So I was like, in that moment, I wouldn't say I felt easy to rob, but yeah. if I, I felt like a bitch for sure, but you got to, sometimes you got to make business decisions, you know? That's true, man. When you're in the NBA and a guy rises up like he's about to dunk on you, you either can get Ooh. posterized or you can get out of the way. What are they going to tell me? I'm bad at defense. Oh, well. I'm not going to be in some guy's Gatorade commercial. At least that's I'm fine with that. So did that guy say I had on G and sneakers? Yes. Did I get pummeled? No. And that's fine. <laughs> you know, like it was the alternative for me to correct him and possibly have to be in a fight. I'm cool. Yeah. I got G and sneakers on. You hey, got me. Hey, you didn't jump off a boat. Hey, 
<laughs> Say, hey, we live to see another day. Hey, you win some, <laughs> you lose some. Yes. <laughs> but you live. You live to see another day. And that's the decision I made that night. I yeah. said, I mean, hey, I, I, I guess I got on G units right now, and I kept it pushing. And then we went to go see uh, American Gangster or whatever we saw that night. I had a great time. <laughs> had a blast. So like I said, we're just describing Get, uh, Bernie Getz. He was a little nerdy-looking guy, but that's fine. Um, but it apparently made him a target. In fact, according to him, he was robbed in early 1981 while at the Canal Street subway station. Mm-hmm. Getz reported that three black teenagers had smashed him into a plate glass door and threw him down to the ground, injuring his chest and knee. Getz was involved in a struggle with one of the teenagers until the police arrived when the teenager then accused Getz of assaulting him. So when I hear when I read this, I think what happened was he was getting pummeled, but he grabbed onto somebody and was not letting go. Yeah. And so the other kids scattered once they heard or saw the police were coming. And all that was left was one teenage kid and Bernie Getz, an adult man. You know, so when it was three other, when it was two other kids there, they were beating the hell out of him. But now all that's left is this, this man, grown man, gra- holding on to a teenager. Yeah. So I can't blame the police for going, you're an adult, this is a kid. They detained both of them, held Bernie for six hours and let the kid go after two and a half hours. And then once they released Bernie after those six hours... He immediately applied for a permit to carry a concealed handgun on the basis of routinely carrying valuable equipment and large amounts of cash, which yes. I mean, that sounds that sounds logical and reasonable. But his application was denied for insufficient need. So I guess they said that's not enough of a reason to have to have a gun, yes. con- a concealed gun. And also, New York is is notoriously tough with gun laws. If you get caught with a gun today in 2023, if you get caught with a gun in New York, you are going to prison. There's no questions about me. You're talking about like 10 year mandatory. Like you get caught with a gun, you're going to prison. Mm. They are very tough on guns there. But guess what, friend? You know where Bernie spent some of his time while he was married? No. Good old Florida. So Bernie took a trip down to good old Florida to visit some family Mm -hmm. and to buy a gun with way less parameters around it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he went down to Florida, said hi to his mom, (laughs) copped a 38, a 38 caliber revolver. And then drove back up to New York, the I, Big Apple. I mean, isn't that America though? I mean, like that's very that's the most that was that's the most American thing you can do. I mean, is like, like if you can't get uh, if go you, around the laws, which I think is I, I think is good reason. I think it's sound reasoning for him to be like, I need a gun for this purpose. I'm gonna get I'm, robbed again. Yes. So he was like, well, if I can't I want to have legally, a gun on me, yes. I'll just go somewhere and get one illegally, and then I'll be on my way. I'd rather ask for permission than forgiveness. Yes, but, but also I did want to mention that. Forgiveness you, than permission, sir. You know the saying, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Sure. Fool me twice, shame on me. Uh-huh. This man was like, if I get robbed again, it ain't going go down. down. <laughs> it ain't going to go down like it did the first time. I mean, can you blame him though? I mean, like, you can't I, blame him. I can't blame him, but what I will say is when I get into... When we get into further about who Bernie Getz is, it yeah. kind of brings his entire character into question. For sure. For but sure. as it stands of right now, on his word, he was attacked unprovoked by three teenagers in 1981, which struck enough fear in him that he felt like he needed to get a gun. Yeah. So if you if you need to still ride said subway and you and you feel like the city is unsafe, which notoriously New York in the 80s was a rough place. Mm-hmm. So if you feel like, oh, the odds of me no longer looking like a lick, are low. I'm going to always have these glasses. I'm going to always be 5'7". I'm going to always be 127 pounds. 
I'm going to always look like this, so I'm going to always look like food. Yes. So either I continue to get my ass beat or I don't listen to the strenuous laws of New York and I just go get me a gun and I choose my own protection over the laws. Now, the problem with that is, like I said, when you go, I'm going to ask for forgiveness instead of permission, that only applies to like speeding, mm-hmm. uh, you know, eating the last piece of cake when nobody, I want it, so I'm going to do it. That's what that saying applies to. Not the a crime, because you're not asking for forgiveness. Yeah. What you're saying is I'm cool with going to prison. Yeah. Because if I have an illegal gun in a state where you're not allowed to have them and the, the punishment is big. So it, the, for, the forgiveness instead of permission analogy doesn't work in that case because you're saying – I'm cool having this gun and potentially going to prison. But if, if you really feel like your life is at risk, then it's worth it. Yeah, for sure. It's I, like, I mean, listen, I, I'll, I'll deal with illegally having a gun and surviving a, a, I'm alive. a horrible beating. Yes. So you ask for forgiveness instead of permission. Now here's, here's where the problems come in friend about my defending of Bernie gets his decisions. Okay. Uh, Bernie was known to use racist language. Uh, Myra Friedman, who was a neighbor of his, reported overhearing Bernie say, the only way we're going to clean these streets up is to get rid of all the spicks and niggers, which is mad aggressive to say at a community meeting, Yeah, which took place 18 months before the shooting. And the first thing I thought of when I read this is that one of my favorite videos of all time is there's a parent-teacher conference, and there's a, a man who's like of Middle Eastern descent or something like that, and he's... It's it's a it's like a town hall, yeah. And everybody's going around giving their complaints about the school and how the policies are, or prom or something like that. And it was parents, and this parent stands up and he's talking about how you know it's you know kids are being bullied, it's not fair, something something something. And a guy behind him, a white guy in some Oakley sunglasses indoors, goes, "Well then, why don't you get out of the country?" And he said it like. Right, guys? Like, he looked like like everybody was going to go, yeah, like, yeah. if you don't like it here, get out. And everybody went, oh, my God. It was, I mean, a wave of, like, everybody, nobody was on your side. Like, imagine saying something that you think, this is going to go over great. And then the opposite happens. Yeah. And that's what I thought of as Bernie gets getting up on a, a microphone stand. You know, everybody's talking about, you know, crime in the neighborhood, people littering and things like that. And Bernie gets, gets up there and he says, Hey, guys, listen, I know the real solution. You know, this neighborhood can be better. Yeah, Bernie, yeah. We deserve to be better and safe in our community. Yeah, Bernie, yeah. preach, Bernie. Yeah. Yes, Bernie, preach. And, and, and we, need, we deserve to be safe and be able to leave our doors unlocked tonight. Yes, yeah, tell, it, tell it, Bernie, yes. And the only way to do that is to get rid of all the spicks and niggers. Oh, my. Oh, 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 oh my God. Oh, get out. Like, I, don't you know, know, so, I don't know if it went that way. I'm not imagining he went up on a microphone and did it. I think he probably just whispered it to somebody he felt comfortable, yes. and that person probably went like, "Somebody uh, overheard it." Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah. You know. Um. So. Fucking guy, man. Yeah. So you know that that immediately takes me where I go. Okay. So it sounds like this guy's aggressive. Um. He's it's giving Travis Bickle, uh, famous from the movie Taxi Driver, is one of Robert De Niro's best movies. Taxi Driver, friend, you should absolutely watch this movie. It's old, but it's fantastic. Travis Bickle. Uh, played by Robert De Niro, is a taxi driver in New York City, and he's just disgusted at what the city's become. And he drives around at night, he never sleeps, and he sees all the crime taking place, and one day he just decides, I've had enough. I'm going to clean this city up. 
and he just starts going around shooting. He goes on a shooting spree one oh, night. Oh, vigilante. He's a vigilante. <laughs> but yeah. check this out, though. Taxi drives. Go on a conversation we had a couple episodes ago and had in the beginning about influence and things like that. Taxi Driver came out in 1976. Mm-hmm. Bernie Getz didn't start doing what he did until the 80s. So this movie had already come out. It's based in New York. The idea of a vigilante tired of the crime and wanting to take it back and sick of how disgusting the city has become, that character arc had already been introduced into society. And I wouldn't be surprised if Bernie Getz seen t- saw Taxi Driver. Yeah, but was he, was he robbed at all? The guy in Taxi, Taxi Driver? Driver? Yeah. No, but I mean, it, that's, that's like getting too specific into Bernie's situation. This guy was disgusted by the, ta- by the city of New York. It took place in New York and wanted to clean it up. And when we get into some of the things that, that Bernie Getz has said after the, the incident we'll get into, it felt very much like, oh, this had been boiling over for a while. I've been tired of this city, what he said at this community meeting. He's been sick of how the things have been going in this city for a while. And it, it was, it was, to me, it was reading very much Travis Bickle. But I'm not saying there's a direct correlation. I'm yeah, just yeah. saying it's interesting. And, you know, so I just wanted to note that. Got that. Um, and uh, like I said uh, before, New York was an increasingly more dangerous city through the 80s uh, with, you know, the crack epidemic popping off, uh, just crime and violent crime in general. There were um, more homicides taking place. It, it, was, it, was a, it was a wild time in New York City for sure. And the subway line was no exception to criminal activity. And in the afternoon of December 22nd, 1984, Barry Allen, Troy Canty, James Ramsour, and Darrell Cabey boarded the subway around 1 p.m. The boys concealing screwdrivers planned to visit a video arcade and pop the, uh, the machines to steal the coins. Yeah. You know, this is what they, this is what this was their plan to do on a, a, a weekday, a couple days before Christmas in New York City, that this was their plan. So um, they got on the train. They and while on the train, the other 15 or so passengers reported feeling as if the crew of boys were using intimidation tactics and moving like a gang and making threats on the train car. So everybody started to kind of move to the other side of the train to yeah. just get away from them. Um, wh- while this was taking place, the train ends up stopping on f- at the 14th Street station where a 37-year-old Bernie entered the already tense situation and sat down near the youths, unaware of the trouble that they had been causing. So he comes onto the train and, you know, just sits down. But in my mind, see, here's where my first kind of like ears perk up in hindsight is that if it really did go down the way that people are describing where people moved away from these boys, then it looks very one side, other side. Okay. And he chose to sit closer to the side that had less people on it. Yeah. You know, uh, next to four boys, black men, I mean, profiling, you don't want to do that obviously, but Bernie gets has already been jumped by some kids. So he probably, and he's said some racist shit. So he already is like leery of black youth. Yeah. And he chose to sit next to them in my mind. I think, hoping that a conflict would arise. Because why? He's got that blammer on him. And when you got that thing on you, you feel a little bit more comfortable stepping into some tense situations. Instead of sitting on the other side of the car. Instead of sitting on the other side of the car where everybody else is sitting at. Oh, okay. You come come on the train and you see kids probably up, you know, probably being menacing. Look, these kids, I don't think these kids were just sitting there with, you know, praying. So there's four kids on this side all together like a posse. And then the other side is the other, the rest of the train. And he chooses to sit on that side. I mean, or, you know, I think he was treating himself like a human bait car. Yes. 
you know, that could be possible. Or, you know, he maybe he's carrying equipment where it's like the way in that area there was only a spot where it's two seats. Possible. And he was like, possible just, just was more convenient. But I want to sit the confidence, to the the confidence door. of him sitting there, you know, he was confident. He was like, well, I'm going to sit here because I need to. But if but, I didn't have this blicky on me, I would have tried to sit in one seat and just put everything on my lap. That's my point. Yes, I get that. Yes. The 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 hammer gave him the confidence, even if it, even if his hands were full, having that hammer on him gave it the, gave him the confidence to go. I'm gonna sit here, and if they do, do I'm gonna sit here, and I'm not concerned. No, I double dog. But if they do, if they do, if I quadruple dog dare you to try me. Yeah. I'll turn you into macaroni. Damn. Yeah. That's how Bernie was giving it up, which we'll get into. Bernie yeah. was ruthless. Bernie was very ruthless. So, uh, like I said. Bernie gets onto the train, mm-hmm. sits next to the four boys. Troy Canty approached Bernie, followed by Barry Allen. They struck up an awkward conversation, and then shortly into that conversation, they asked Bernie for $5. But they asked for the $5 in a way that didn't seem like no was an answer that would go over very well. So do you think that's a... I don't think they were like, excuse me, sir, can you spare $5? No, no. but is, no, is I... it like, can be $5 or a man... He takes the screwdriver out, you know, got in his hand or something. Well, that did not happen. Well, yeah. I know that for a fact. <laughs> I, mean, I know that for a fact. So how do you think it was asked? Oh, like he I wasn't think they were, I think, I think, I think, I think, I think personally, listen, I wasn't there, but, you know, based on these kids' records, which I have a little bit of information on, I'll get into. Obviously, Bernie Getz doesn't know this. We're speaking in hindsight. Yes. Bernie Getz doesn't know this, but we're going, how do we think the incident went down? I think they, you know, I think they saw a dude who looked like a lick, as we already discussed, mm-hmm. and they went, hey, man, give me $5, man. As simple as that. Almost like, not even, the, see, the, 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 the problem with it is, I'm not trying to disrespect Bernie Getz or anybody that, you know, falls into the category of a nerd. But these four dudes, it's not even about the threat. They're like, hey, man, just give me the fucking money. It's not even the threat. It's like, hey, man, give me $5. Yeah. It's not like, give me the, give me the money. Because they, they don't feel like they need to do that with him. He's, he's a mark. They're like, Hey man, give me five dollars. They don't need to raise their voice or put their hands on them or threaten him. Or it's just I'm I'm me, and this you see us. Give me the five dollars. It doesn't need to be a raise of a voice or anything like that. So I don't even I don't even know how threatening they were. I think they just tried him. You know, yeah. I think he looked like somebody that was easy to try. They went up to him. Hey man, what's up? How you doing? Hey man, give me five dollars. Or even hey man, you got five dollars? I can hold. Could have been. But I'm way. not asking. I'm not asking you though. <laughs> It's a question, Give me the five dollars. It's a question. Yeah. It's a question, but like, no isn't an option. Reach into your wallet and give, <laughs> reach into your wallet and give me five dollars yeah. right now. I'm telling you to give me five dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm asking you, but I'm not asking you. Do you have five dollars? P- present it to me right now. All you have is tens. I'll take that. That's fine. It's two. <laughs> well, it's like give me give me your money. It's like I'm saying five dollars to be nice. Yeah, it's a so polite give, robbery. Like, I'm not going to pull out the screwdriver on you, yeah. so just give me what I'm asking for and we'll move on. Which is, that's almost more uh, disrespectful than if you were, show me the screwdriver. Yeah. Threaten my life, at least. So I don't just be like, oh, I don't need to even pull it out on him. Like, hey, man, give me $5. Mush him, give him a noogie. Yeah. You know? So I think that's how they approached him. I think they were very un, unthreatened by Bernie Getz, and they felt like he's an easy guy. Just, hey, man, just give me something. I just feel like, I just feel like taking from you. That's what I you feel. Look like. Yeah, you look easy. Yeah. Like you look easy. You look easy. You look like a lick. Just give me something. Let me give me give me your shoes. Just, you know, it's that type of shit. So, Bernie, having been on the losing end of a train scuffle just 2 years prior, 
and newly empowered by his Florida revolver, asked Canty to repeat what he just said. So he went, what'd you say? Yeah. You know, he, he turned into Clint Eastwood. <laughs> right. Would you, what? Can you, re- can you repeat that? <laughs> and, he, and he pulled, you know, and he pulled out on him. So he asked Canty, he asked Canty to repeat that. Canty again asked for $5. And then Bernie would later say about the incident that I'm about to describe. When I saw his smile and the look in his, see, he's smiling. He's like, yeah, yeah, man. I said, give me, I said, he's looking back at his friends like, what the fuck is this dude? Hey, man, I said, give me the $5. So he said, when I looked into his eyes and saw the smile on his face, I saw that they were intending to play with me like a cat plays with a mouse. Mm. Yeah. So this guy has a whole, you know what I'm saying? That's what I mean about Taxi Driver. If you've seen Taxi Driver throughout the whole movie, Robert De Niro saying shit like that, like these really poetic things about the state of the society and all. And that, that statement right there tells me he had a lot of shit built up in him. For sure. Oh, he's a racist. Right. So. Yeah, and that too. Well, he, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But, uh, you know, he's like, yeah, he's, he, he saw the, the gleam in his eye and a smile on his, on his face. Yes. So he felt like he, he felt like they were, they were playing with him. Yeah. Like it was yeah, a they, 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 I, I'm a, I'm a joke. Yeah. I'm a joke, yeah. which is way, which is so, again, when you already feel like emasculated, not, not safe, not like you, you are being respected. Somebody now laughing in your face will set you the fuck off. Yeah. And Bernie was set the fuck off. He pulled out this 38 revolver and started firing wildly, spinning around and pulling the trigger, trying to get as many shots off as he could. Yeah, I mean, just based on this information that we have, I mean, like, that escalated really fast. It didn't need to. It just didn't need to. It just didn't need to. It didn't. It just didn't need to get to this. I mean, he couldn't wait. Trigger, trigger finger. Exact trigger happy. He was trigger happy. So the first shot hit Troy Canty directly in the chest. The second shot hit Barry Allen in the back. The third shot traveled through the arm of James Ramser and became lodged in his left side. Mm. The fourth bullet missed Daryl Cabey. Getz then moved towards Cabey and said, oh, you don't look so bad. Here's another. Crazy. Why? Right? So he's like, you, you look like you're doing all right. Take this one at point blank range. Excessive. He fired a fifth and final shot at point-blank range, severing KB's spinal cord. Mm. The conductor brought the train to a screeching halt because the gun is just banging off. Um, and uh, he, when he approached Getz, he asked, are you a cop? But what does I don't know. Because he's, it, he's like, he gun? You, you're firing so crazy in here, you must have a probable cause. You, you must be allowed to, right? And he's like, nah, I'm not a cop. And then he said, I don't know why I did it, they tried to rip me off. I think he probably the conductor probably thought a crime had taken place, and that this guy was there to stop them. But no, he just was a uh, street justice purveyor. <laughs> yeah. He was like, he was like Batman. As this story was going, as I was going down in this story, you know, on the timeline, I went, you know, from him being robbed previously to getting a gun. I went, okay, I get it. I get. The reason behind him getting the gun, but then when you find out that he's racist, and then like, exactly the, the shooting with excessive ago, I go like, okay, I'm gonna take. He's every, not just some. I'm he's not every, just some innocent. Yes, I'm gonna take everything I, I said back because like, <laughs> this dude was like, he was ready. He was like waiting for this. He was hoping. He was hoping this would happen, yes. and that changes things. If you're just a guy who I'm sick of being attacked, and I have a gun for my own safety, that's very different than, oh, I'm putting myself in situations to where I hope somebody does something. 
and then I'm gonna attack them. Yeah, which is a, this is something a, a psycho person, a, psychi- a psychotic person would do. Yeah, I mean, this like, is, <laughs> yeah, Liam Neeson, the guy from Taken. This is what he got in trouble for, because this he just, he offered this story unprovoked. Nobody asked, but it was during the time of like you know Breonna Taylor and George Floyd being killed, and you know white people were trying to absolve themselves. And he went one time. My friend was uh, she was sexually assaulted by a black man, and so I just went out one night and was just looking for a black man. Any black man I would have came across, I would have beat the shit out of them. And he said that to the camera in the interview, and he said it to be like, I'm ashamed that I did that. Yeah. And when he did that, people went, you should be ashamed of that. And he's like, no, that's why I said, shut up. Like he, when he tried to go, no, but I said it to say that I should be, no, no, you're canceled. So, you know, like people, so it didn't go over. I would have kept the story to myself. Yeah. Why? But my point is, why don't offer that? Don't, why? Hey man, just, hey, sit there and eat your food. More people need to just sit there and eat their food. You don't need to get involved in this one right here, you know? But this, Bernie, I think Bernie Getz had that in him where he goes, I've been attacked, and so I'm going to put myself in situation. Now I have my gun, f- fresh from Florida. Yeah, I'm going to put myself in situations where I dare somebody to try to rob me again. And when they do, I'm going to be ready. And that's different than I'm, I have this just in case. Yeah, I can ride for a guy that's a just in case guy, but a guy that's going, oh, I wish a motherfucker would treat me like a what do you say a, a mouse and they're the cat so do you so do you think that do you think that he was genuinely going somewhere he was like yes yes okay. i don't think bernie gets was just riding the. i don't think he was just right i think he needed to ride the subway but also he was ready for if something happened i don't know man. I don't borderline know. hoping i would say ready borderline hoping i don't know the train because like you said train it, has it escalated so quick the train has windows Yes. And I feel like you have enough time to pick and choose where where you go, you which go. which train car you get yes. into and yeah, yeah, for sure. No, see you're you're making a good point. Maybe he got on the train that looked like it had some menacing people on or to him. Yeah, it's like, ooh. Menacing. Oh, those guys look those ooh. guys look formidable. Oh, they look they look like they'd ask me for five dollars. Like targets? Ooh. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. Yes. I'm gonna go sit so, by uh, them. Exactly. Yeah. So that's entirely possible. And that so, changes the dynamics on me feeling like what he did was okay. Not that I do feel like what he did was okay. I'll say, actually, I'll say that. I don't even want to get into yeah. what we feel about vigilantes till the end, yeah. but it does change how you feel. about. if you are on the fence, thinking that he's putting himself in positions for people to try him like a bait car, a human bait car changes how you feel about the scenario for sure. So after this incredibly crazy shootout, one-sided shootout, Bernie then fled the scene and drove to Vermont. He burned the jacket he was wearing, dismantled his gun, and scattered the pieces into the woods. The men all survived the shooting, although one was seriously injured. Also... The guy who, his spine, he severed. Also, you know, you wouldn't do this, you wouldn't do all of that if if you was going to go self-defense. If you go on a self-defense route, you wouldn't do all that. If you felt like... (laughs) Here's what I'll... Here's what I'll say. And, And again... I'm going to save my thoughts on vigilantism for the end. But in the Daniel Penny situation, Daniel Penny didn't choke out that guy and then run off the train. He stayed there until the police arrived, was there for the police report. You know, it it wasn't like, uh, it didn't smell like he went, oh, I'm going to fucking kill this guy. And and now I know I killed him on purpose, and now I got to get out of here. Bernie Getz fled the state. That's not the actions of a guy that was like, I just was afraid for my life. I just thought, uh, 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 you know, I, I just defended myself. That's the, that's the actions of a, 
a murderer, like a murderer, right. you know, a cold blooded murderer flees and then destroys the gun and burns his clothes. So he can't be identified. Like he, and that also feels planned. Like, why did you know to go to Vermont? What made you, exactly? what made you choose Vermont? Exactly. Like, why'd you do that? You know? So, um, after a short time on the run on December 31st, 1984 gets turned himself in to the New Hampshire authorities. So this guy was in the, for about 10 days between the shooting and where he turned himself back in. He was, going back and forth from New York to New Hampshire to Vermont, dropping off guns at his neighbor's house, ask, calling his neighbor, Myra Friedman. And, uh, he was scared, obviously, because yeah. he was running, but he didn't know that they had gone to his apartment until he spoke to his neighbor, Myra Friedman. They're like, hey, man, the, the, the police are here looking for you. And when he got that information, he knew what it was in connection to. So, you know, he, he laid low for a while mm -hmm. until around December 31st when he turned himself into the New Hampshire authorities. Bernie then agreed to, after being uh, placed in custody, he agreed to a two-hour-long interview that would eventually be played at his trial. Mm -hmm. uh, immediately following the news of the shooting, Bernie had a huge wave of support, which, we've, which I dis we discussed at the beginning. Uh, many citizens of New York were fed up with the criminals, and a story about a New Yorker standing up for himself resonated with a lot of people around the country. So the, the fucking guy was like Batman, you yeah. know, like, I mean, I'm seriously like he was this he was a cape crusader yes. who got sick of crime and could not take it anymore. And he stood up against the criminals. And that resonated with a lot of people. Um, the founder of the famous New York Protection Group, the Guardian Angels, those are the people that wore the Red Berets yeah. and um, uh, suspenders. Um, the founder of that group praised Bernie a lot. Like he said, you know, this is, this is what people need to be. We need to take our communities back. We need to not let uh, our communities fall into the hands of these gangsters and criminals, and we need to defend our neighborhoods. Polls showed that large majorities of both white and black citizens were sympathetic to the subway vigilante, which he became known as. Yes. We're talking about Bernie Gates. Yes, and I mean, the Guardian Angles collected thousands of dollars, thousands of dollars towards this guy's defense. Mm-hmm. Um, Congress of Racial Equality. I mean, like, all these civil rights organizations and all these different groups was like, you know, we should back this guy up. Yes, this wasn't a racial issue at first. Right. And was like, let's help pay for this guy's def defense so he can get off. And that's yeah. just wild. That's just crazy to me. That's just and then that fucking record scratch comes. <laughs> which we not We're not there yet, but when you ride for a guy, you're like, this guy's all right. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's like... Uh, it's like, uh, I don't know, we've all forgiven all the people, sadly, but, you know, everybody loves Justin Bieber, but then he had that one uh, video where he's singing the N-word, yeah. or Post Malone has that one video where he's saying the N-word, or... Does he? Morgan... Mm-hmm. That's new to me. And I, love, and, and, I, and I, you know, we've all moved on. He makes hits. I don't know. Morgan Wallen, one guy. of the most popular guys in, one of the most popular guys in country oh, right Morgan now. Morgan Freeman. No, Morgan Wallen. Who's that? He's, like a country, he's a country singer. Oh. But he also had a controversy where he said the N-word. He's now like the highest selling country. It like made him bigger. That thing, saying the N-word, <laughs> saying the N-word turned him up to a, he's like the biggest thing in the world. It's no, crazy. That's like hilarious, it, man. The controversy was not a, it was like a, it was like a great marketing ploy. That's like great. it made him the biggest thing in the world. Oh, he's it was, racist? Oh man, let's go ahead. The yeah, oh, that's my racket. shit. Turn that up. Turn that shit up. He said, what? Turn this shit up. Wow. Oh, turn that up, man. man. I'm playing Morgan Wallen all night long. He said, what to who? Man, turn turn him up. That's crazy. Yeah, Morgan Ballin. That dude's rolling in dough <laughs> off the N-word. He's making more money off N-words than rappers are. Um, so, so like I say, he turned himself in. Um, he's now turned himself into the New York uh, police, and he's been extradited. And But he's still, like, feeling these waves of love. People are still, you know, in support of Bernie. Um, and not many stories mention the fact that Bernie's gun was loaded with hollow points. Hmm. 
bullets designed to inflict maximum damage. Yep. Or that he shot two of the young men in the back, mm. which would suggest that they were fleeing. So n- none of these things were like mentioned in the news. It just was a uh, guy fights back against criminals, which was in which helped, which was all in his benefit. It, 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 that's a very easy to digest headline. Mm-hmm. But anyway, after three NYPD detectives arrived in the Concord, New ha- into Concord, New Hampshire, Getz gave a second videotape confession again making admissions that prosecutors would rely on heavily in his trial. Among other incriminating, incriminating statements, Getz told detectives that after perceiving a threat, I decided to kill them after all, murder them all, do anything. Okay, so my issue with that is, again, I already said that's excessive. You know how he, you know, you shoot him, but then it's like, oh, you're still alive type of thing, execution mm-hmm. type style shooting. But you... Well, first of all, you just can't go around shooting people because of the glimmer and the gleam in their eye and the smile on their face, and then be like, "Oh, well, I got robbed, so that's why I shot." It's like, okay, pick one. Like, which one is it? Is it because mm-hmm. you, you they played you as a joke, or like you was actually fearing for your life? Because like, if you put yourself in that situation, you're not really you don't have that feeling of you fearing for your life. If you like, I want somebody to to test me, type of thing. Right? Yes, and also. Mm-hmm. The glimmer or the gleam that he said it, it was in his eyes, because I mean he was like, "No, nah, that's uh." Again, we talked about this already, but it's like, "No, nah, I'm man, yeah. I want my life to be threatened right now because I'm not the one that's gonna be in a life death situation. Exactly, it's gonna be y'all. And when you're and when you're in that mind state that he was in, it's like the water boy. You know, in the water boy when he needs to get emotional so he can tackle people better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he sees those people saying all kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. So who knows if this guy was laughing? He that's just what he said. Yeah. Cause he, cause he's already feels threatened and all these things. All I know is to admit that to the police that you felt threatened and you had enough time to go. Oh, I'm gonna kill all these. You guys. asked him to repeat what he said. Yeah, I mean, like, like I mean, like <laughs> you, you, you. Why would you say that in a police interrogation or an interview and say, I had enough time, even though my life was threatened, I had enough time to go. Oh, I feel threatened right now. Yeah, I'm gonna kill all these guys. Yeah. Not, it was a split. What you want, if you're saying it was self-defense, it was, I didn't even have time to think. It was me or them. Yeah. When you go, oh, I'm, I, I told myself, I said, self, kill everything yeah. that moves. Yeah. I, it was, and then I just started letting it off. It was his opportunity to hurt black people. That's how I felt. And yeah. I mean, like, now. The scum of the city. The term, black people, right, the, Hispanics. The term that I didn't hear come up in this story was, um, what is it? Uh, a hate crime. I didn't hear that come up sure. at all, but I mean, like, it, it doesn't, that doesn't qualify. I mean, like, what we know about this uh, dude as a person, I mean, yeah. like, like, how? Well, it, it's, that's hard to, see, you might think it's a hate crime, and I wouldn't, I honestly probably wouldn't fight you on it, really, but it's, you can't prove that in court. For sure. I mean, because they did, they did, they, they did have screwdrivers on them. They were on the train threatening people that these are all facts. Now, did they pull a screwdriver out on him and threaten him? No. But there are enough witnesses there to go, these guys weren't just like okay. selling Girl Scout okay. cookies gotcha. on the train. Okay. So it's not like he came to them on, in their neighborhood and did something malicious to them. An incident still took place. Now, whether or not he put himself in the position on purpose, we can't prove that. We, we're, all, we're just speculating when we say that. Right. So, so what is- A hate crime is like an, an intentional act that you go to a group of people and commit violence on them on purpose. And I don't think you can prove that that's what happened because I don't. It's true, too great. True. Also, but 
Now, what if he might have been thinking racist things? Like, fucking shoot you, you fucking black now, motherfucker. What, what, yeah, if he, this, he, what if this is flipped though? What if this was flipped the other way around? This outcome, black story is completely different. One black guy shoots five, four white yes. guys, and has says things like, "Oh, uh, I hate the white devil," and the, yeah, like that's what you're saying. Yes. Like, if, oh. does he get hit with a hate crime though? I don't, I don't know. I don't know a ton of cases where black people have been charged with hate crimes against white people. Hmm. That's a whole nother conversation. I don't even, I don't know too many incidences of that happening, you know? Um, so I don't know the flip thing doesn't, that's hard for me. It, it, it makes my head hurt thinking about that. Yeah, Cause I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, everything else though, like the city and these organizations coming to the defense of a black, I mean, you know, like I just, I just don't see that stuff happening. Oh yeah, no, for sure. No, I agree with that. I mean, yeah. Um, there were black people who stormed the Capitol. Nobody started to go find me for those people, you know? So you, you don't get to, no, you don't get to, you don't, I don't, well, 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 that's different. The guy that found those three women in, in Cleveland, Ohio, the guy that was getting the McDonald's sandwich, mm. he had his 15, he did something great. People perceived it as great, but it, that wasn't controversial. This yeah. was controversial. Yeah. This could be, and it was, either and it was you funny. Thought this was, that was like a whole, yeah. That was funny. Either you thought this, this Bernie gets, you either thought this was great or you thought this was terrible. Yeah. There was that, that, that was, that was objectively a, a good. Yes. Yeah. This is, this is murky and, but it becomes less murky as, as the time goes on. So right now, as we're talking where we're at, as far as him being interrogated and all these things, he's still in the public's favor. Sure. Now what happens is, um, on January 3rd, while he's still riding on the, um, the, the fame from his controversial vigilantism, Gets is brought back to New York city and arraigned on four charges of attempted murder. Later that month, a grand jury listened to Getz's confessions and heard from an eyewitness or from a few eyewitnesses. And the grand jury indicted Getz on three charges of illegal weapons possession, possession, but refused to indict him on the attempted murder charges or even reckless endangerment. And that again came from the public favor that he was, that he had mm. that people felt like he didn't do anything wrong as far as shooting them. It just was illegal to have the gun. Mm. Right. Yeah. So, Here's where shit goes sideways. Public opinion began to turn against Getz in February when a publication published some information concerning his racist views, including his use of the N-word and the words he admitted to using before permanently paralyzing uh, Darrell Cabey, which was, you look all right, take another one, you know? So um, people came forward and said that they've heard Bernie Getz say the N-word before and that his little line before shooting Darrell Cabey again very malicious changes things. Yeah. Also, he had enough time to he had enough time to think yeah, when he did. Also, that. he came out and said that the only issue that he had was he didn't have enough bullets. Yes. <laughs> I mean, like. so when you start taking all those things into account, them them the the first jury dis, dismissing those charges of um, attempted murder and you know all that those things. But but then you change your mind when you go, wait a minute! I thought he was just a nice scrawny nerdy white yeah. guy. I thought he was like Rick Moranis. But now you hear that he's racist. It's like, oh, and you hear that about the hollow points and him. When you start hearing everything, you go, oh, this is like a creepy, uh, angry man. So after the district attorney's office was granted court permission to resubmit attempted murder and uh, and assault charges to a second grand jury, additional witnesses, including two of the four victims, testified against Mm -hmm. Bernie. The DA's efforts paid off and the grand jury indicted Bernie Getz on four counts of attempted murder, four counts of assault and one count of reckless endangerment. So he's now facing two different trials. Mm. 
Attorneys for Getz moved to dismiss the second indictment on the grounds of prejudicial instructions on the issue of justification and um, perjured testimony of the two victims, yeah. Ramser and Canty, basically saying they lied on the stand and, and you know, this, this, whole, this whole thing's messy and, you know, so we should just throw this, we should just throw this second indictment out. The criminal term court granted the defense's motion to dismiss in January 1986, but six months later, the Court of Appeals of New York reversed the lower court and reinstated all counts of the indictment. So the trial kicked off in the spring of 87. Getz's lawyer was able to successfully argue a claim of self-defense. See, New York allows deadly force in self-defense to thwart attempted robbery. In Getz's case, the four men did not show the screwdrivers to him, although they did claim, although, although he did claim that one of the men had his hand in his pocket and there appeared to be an unidentified object in his hand, in his pocket. It's almost like that? the gun. How can you prove that, though? You can't. You can't prove it. You can't prove it. So it's like saying somebody robbed you and they had the, the gun. I'm sh- I have a gun in my pocket. Yeah. With, and, but they have it pointed at you with the coat. Yeah. Which I don't, I don't know if that's ever worked before. I've only seen it in TV shows. I don't think I'd fall for that. But I tell you what, it's a gamble. Because if you get shot, if a bullet comes through that guy's coat, you're going to feel real dumb talking tough. Yeah, for sure. I'm like, oh, you don't even have a gun, man. Fuck you. Shoot me. And then he shoots you? It's like, well, why'd you even have it in the, why'd you have it in the <laughs> yeah. coat? Why'd you have the gun in the coat in the first place? You could have showed so, it to me and scared the shit out of me. Could, it I would have gave you, you everything. Why would you, why would you dare me to be tough? Just show me the gun. Yeah. Oh, what is that? A, what is that? A, your finger? Fuck you. <laughs> Bow! Right in your gut? You're like, what? <laughs> that would throw you off, man. It would really, sure. that would throw yeah. you off, you know, but you felt tough in the moment. Like, fuck yeah. off, man. Bang! The the coat smoking Fuck and his you feathers. And your north face. Yeah. Now there's goose down feathers in the air and there's a hole in his coat and smoking. You're like, what? Wait, this still you actually had a gun? Yeah, man, bubble goose. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> District Attorney Greg Waples told jurors in his opening statement that the evidence would show that Getz shot one of the teens in the center of the back as he tried to flee. And that Darrell Cavey was shot and permanently paralyzed mm. while sitting down while sitting down in a subway seat, absolutely helpless and doing absolutely nothing to threaten or menace Bernard oh, Getz. Mm. Which is like uh, that's that's pouring a lot of sauce on. I don't know. I wasn't there, but the idea that he's like they were just sitting there, they weren't doing anything, and Bernard Getz came in like a bat out of hell. That's so. But this is the district attorney, yeah. and then that's it's it's one story versus the other, and it's what do you find more believable? Yeah. So this is the district attorney story. Bernie Getz was like a bat out of hell. These kids were, he, he, he overkilled them. He shot them extra. He was uh, aggressive and hateful and there was an evil in his eyes. And he, they went on to say that Getz even had two confessions where he revealed him to be a man with a very twisted and self-righteous sense of right and wrong, which he did. He was, you know, he felt like he was cleaning up the streets. Uh, he concluded by telling the jurors, you are here to decide whether the idea of equal justice under the law for all people is a reality or is an empty dream, which is a lot of, a lot to put on a jury, man. You know, that's, that's, that's big stakes. Now attorney for uh, Bernie gets Barry Slotnick followed with the opening statement for the defense. Slotnick painted his client as neither Rambo nor a vicious predator, hmm. but rather, but rather as someone surrounded by threatening youths intent on robbing him and who in response took proper and appropriate action. 
He warned the jury to be skeptical of evidence presented by the two testifying witnesses, Canty and Romser, because they had a motive to lie to further their pending multi-million dollar civil suits against Getz. Mm. He variously referred to Getz's shooting victims as hoodlums, criminals, savages, punks, low lives, and thugs. He told jurors that the four youths assumed the risk that a citizen like Bernard Getz would lawfully, justifiably fire a weapon in protection of his property. Assume. So they assume, well, they, he's, what he's saying is when they, when they uh, threatened his life, they accepted the possibility that Bernie Getz could have a gun. Come on. It's like, it's like when, you, when you go and you steal from a store, you accept the possibility that you can get caught and go to jail. That's just, okay, so that's, when they, okay, okay you, you are accepting the possibility of you walking around with machines and money in your pocket and being like, I could get robbed. But no, no. I mean, what? what do you mean? Uh, under the rule of the law, you're not doing that. Like st- street, ro- street wise, I'm not going to walk around waving money around. Something bad could happen to me. But if me as a criminal, I decide to commit criminal acts against another person, I'm assuming that I can accept whatever I'm, I have enough people with me. I have enough strength with me. I have enough weapons with me that whatever they present back to me in defense of themselves, I can handle. That's what they did when they not approached bullet, him threateningly. Not a, not a bullet to the back. Not a bullet to the back. You're right. They didn't. They, I'm sure they didn't ex- expect that. But you you are accepting that that's a possibility when you go to try to rob somebody. You disagree? No, I don't agree with that, man. I, I, I don't know. I just maybe because I'm sympathizing for the victims, but I I just don't. I think I think if Bernie Getz didn't have racist stuff come out, you would still be on his side, and you would go, "Hey, man, they tried to rob me. I have a gun on me. I'm going to defend myself." And that's your fault. Yeah, I mean, if he just shot it in the air or like popped one at their legs or something, I'm like, all right, well, but isn't it like he was trying to finish? I understand that. Off. I'm not defending any of that, but you can't tell somebody how to respond to what you do to them. You know, so if you spit in my face and I stab you, did I go too far? Sure, but you don't tell me what my response is to what you do to me. I get that. So they tried to rob him. It's like maybe he should have shot the gun in the air. Well, he didn't. That's not what he did with his gun. And you got to, if you choose to commit a crime, and again, we're talking about uh, two stories versus, I don't know what's true. It's all hearsay. The district attorney's story is Bernie Getz is crazy, wanted to hurt people, a vigilante was itching to pull his gun out, and Bernie Getz's defense is, these guys are criminals, and they tried to rob me, and they're dangerous, and they smoke crack. Admittedly, on you know they, they've admitted that. They've been charged with that. These guys have criminal records, and so these guys are criminals. And so what do you believe more, that Bernie Getz is a crazed vigilante who was hoping to pull his gun out on anybody, or that these four teens who had screwdrivers on them tried to rob a guy on a train, and the guy pulled a gun out? And the truth to me is somewhere in the middle. I think both of those things are true. Yeah. But how scared are you? But what's, what's against the law? He, he didn't see the screwdriver. They never pulled the screwdrivers out. But that's not the point. The point is that the, the, his defense can say they had screwdrivers on them, so they were intending to have weapons on them to do something illegal. And so they were robbing Bernie Gatz. And so Bernie had every right to defend himself. And the, the district attorney is saying, no, 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 no. This guy was itching to hurt people. And what do you believe more? That's the question. Um, Getz said that the body language of the teens told him that he was in danger and that he went into a different state of mind. He said, quote, you, you react, he explained. And he said that 
he said, remember that speed is everything. And these are the kind of, these are the narcissistic crazy things that he says where I'm not on his side. Speed is everything. It's like, he's proud of what he did. He's like, oh, I acted quick. I got them out of there. These guys are scum. Like I didn't do anything wrong. I was defending myself and I was fast. I was quick on the draw. I'm, 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 I'm the type of uh, cowboy that this city needs. That that's his energy. So he admitted to going over to a seated Darrell KB and telling him, you seem to be all right. Here's another. So he admitted to that as he pulled the trigger for a fifth and final time. Gets fled after the shooting, and he said that he did this because if he stayed, they would have wiped the floor with me. Now, I don't know what he meant by this, but because I already, you know, throughout reading the story, started to not be on his side, I pictured him being on the stand and them being like, him being like, well, if I would have, if I wouldn't have stayed, the, I mean, the, um, <laughs> the criminals, the criminals, they would have, they would have all attacked me. They, all the criminals would have attacked me. So I don't know if he meant the other black and Hispanic. I don't know what he meant by if I would have stayed around, they would have wiped the floor with me because the guys that you were in a conflict with are all on the ground bleeding. You shot yeah. them all up. So who's that left? You know, who's left to, who's left to, to do anything? Well, to if you had more bullets, so anyway. you would have killed them. So, I mean, like, what are we yeah. talking about? Exactly. <laughs> so I don't know who would have wiped the floor with them, but I, in my mind, it's him, him catching himself and being like, you know, the, sp- uh, the, um, <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the, the, the criminals. So, uh, Troy Canty dressed in a business suit. And this is again, where I'm on now. I'm not on anybody's side, but now these kids, they got on business suits and they're coming and, you know, testifying against him now, you know, it's just, it's all, it's all theater who can present the best case, you know? So Troy Canty, one of the four gentlemen who was shot, he's now dressed in a business suit. He spent more than two days on the stand describing his version of events under questioning from Waples. Canty admitted to heavy use of, co- of crack cocaine and convictions on several misdemeanor charges. He explained that on December 22nd, he and the three other youths boarded the subway with the intention of going to Manhattan to rob video games at Pace University. He testified that he was three, of, three, or, four free, three or four feet away from Getz when he asked him, Mr., can I have $5? That's, that's how he says he said it. And he said, Getz responded, you can have it all. And then just pulled his gun out and just started firing off. That's what he's saying happened, which, you know what I mean? Like, I know things escalated, but that's crazy. Yeah, right. So, so, so he's saying that's how it went down. According to Canty, Getz then unzipped his jacket, pulled out his pistol and began firing. (laughs) And this again, who can tell the better story? So Canty says, I then grabbed my chest. He then fell to the floor like. I, I, I put my hand on my chest and I, I pretty much fainted. I was just so shocked that this man pulled a weapon out on me. Uh, and he heard subsequent shots. And then he heard the voice of Darrell Cavey crying, why did you shoot me? Why did you shoot me? Now, the district attorney went up there and very subtly asked if it was possible that, or as he said, so you asked him for $5 or did you tell him to give you $5? And Troy Canty said, I mean, I guess it's possible that I, I said, give me $5, which is, but that subtle, that subtle difference in, in, in how that sentence comes out says a lot. Yeah. Cause like, did you go, Hey mister, can I, can, it'd be sure nice if you could let me borrow $5 or if you go, give me $5. One's a little more threatening than the other one, you know? So it was subtle what he, what the district attorney did, but it did establish that it's possible that this wasn't this like super sweet and, just innocent thing. And then this guy just flew off the handle. You right. can have it all, yeah. you know, spinning circles. So, 
Yeah, just, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Um, so uh, James Ramser refused to take the stand, and Barry Allen asserted his fifth his Fifth Amendment rights, um, having not been granted immunity to testify. So he had to sit. He had to take the stand, but he didn't answer any questions. He took. He pleaded the fifth on every question that they asked him, which which says a lot about the other two men involved. When you know they're suing and telling this different story, but these two guys are choosing to not say anything. You know, if it went down that they said the way they said, why wouldn't they all be on the same page? Yeah. But I think they didn't want to perjure themselves because they all have different accounts of what happened and they didn't want to say the wrong thing because they know what they did. And that's why I say it's super possible and I think likely that Bernie Getz had an itchy trigger, trigger finger sure. having been through some things and that these kids were dumb kids doing dumb shit like the young man in the beginning that we talked about who jumped off the cruise ship, doing dumb shit, going through addiction at 18, 19 years old, you're addicted to crack cocaine, going up to break video game machines to get money and that they might've approached this guy to try to rob him. Both of these things can be true. Yeah. So, uh, gets faced a jury that included several people who had experience with the crime and, f- and fear of crime. So the jury was full of people that kind of were like, yeah, man, um, this city's rough and people are criminals, which helps him. People who can empathize with somebody sick of crime is good to have on a jury when you're Bernie Getz. So, as a result, he was convicted for criminal possession of a handgun and found not guilty on the other charges. Crazy. He, he served less than a year in jail. Wow. And in a 1996 civil case brought against Getz by Darrell Cabey, he was found criminally responsible for the harm inflicted on Cabey. The jury awarded Cabey $18 million in damages for physical harm mm. and $25 million in punitive damages. Mm. He's paralyzed, though, right? Oof. Yes. He, this is the young man. He walked up to him, said the line yeah. like he was Rambo, and shot him another time. Uh, following all the, his, his, his 15 minutes of fame, Getz ran for mayor of New York City in 2001 and the position of public advocate, which I don't know what that means, in 2005, but he lost badly in both contests. Uh, in, his, in his defense, in 2001, there was nobody that was going to beat Rudy Giuliani, this is before Rudy, Rudy Giuliani became a joke. He was like America's mayor because he was the mayor of New York after 9-11 mm-hmm. or during, like, you know, post 9-11 and when it happened. So, and, and he did a really good job. He was very like, clean it up, firefighters. We got to protect people, get people out, save. So nobody would have beat um, Rudy, Rudy Giuliani that year, but it definitely wasn't going to be Bernie fucking Getz. But he ran. I think he thought he still had some juice left from his 15 minutes. Uh, he campaigned for offering vegetarian. This was his campaign t- for mayor. Uh, he campaigned on the the promises of offering vegetarian dishes in public schools. Who is he, Michelle Obama? <laughs> hey, you know, kids got to eat school lunch, man. And he worked tire he worked tirelessly for the cause of squirrel rescue. Oh, that's right. Gets gets installs squirrel houses, feeds squirrels, and applies first aid to injured squirrels. So Bernie Gets is crazy. Like you're talking to a squirrel, my guy. Like, what do yeah, you? Yeah, come on, it's a squirrel, bro. <laughs> if you're talking to a squirrel, you're crazy. You know, if you have squirrel houses, uh, that's insane. You're insane. So I think that was the final. Like, oh, okay, Bernie Getz is crazy. Yeah. This is in 2005. He's like, I'm, uh, I'm running on the campaign of uh, squirrel habitats, and squir- uh, squirrels are people too. It's like, uh, oh, you're nuts. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> nuts. Uh, so, <laughs> so, uh, uh. <laughs> he appeared in the 2002 film Every Move You Make, playing a criminalist who instructed a female stalking he victim on how to carry a concealed he weapon. Bland. 
he, he was being hell. No, he was like, no, that's, that's me. That's, I can I'm show him. you how to hide a gun. I, I can show you how to hide a gun and then pull it out really yeah. fast. <laughs> so uh, in a 2004 interview, CNN's Nancy Grace asked Getz, <laughs> do you ever wish you had just given them the $5? <laughs> and Getz, <laughs> which is a good question, right? And Getz, and Getz replied, I think it would have been better, a better thing for me in my life if I had just given them all my money, even though they might have pushed me around and beat me up for a second. But, Getz then added, but I think it was good for New York City. All right. What happened was very good for New York City because it forced them to address crime. Okay. So he was like, no, nah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a martyr. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if, if, if I had just given them the money, yeah, I might have I made it out. But I saved New York City in my actions. I sacrificed myself for the greater good, Nancy. Nancy. Nancy Grace. And uh, yeah, that was the story of Bernie Getz, man. Fran, what are your thoughts on vigilantes after diving into the story? Keep in uh, mind, peop, not, notable vigilantes include the recent story of Daniel Penny yeah. and George Zimmerman. I also, those also, are, those are two instances. Yeah, also, um, in late 2013, Getz was arrested for allegedly attempting to sell marijuana to un, to an undercover police officer. Man. And after Getz's attorney moved moved for a dismissal on a speedy trial grounds, a judge agreed that. Prosecutors took 14 days too long to prosecute the case, and it was dismissed in September of 2014. Now Bernie Getz is the criminal in New York City. See? Full yeah, circle. Man. Now he's a drug dealer, scum, selling drugs yeah. to the community. But um, my thoughts on vigilant. Uh, this, this, are you pro, are you pro or anti-vigilant? I'm pro depending on what strategy is being used. Are you pro, well, that's your, I feel like you're saying you're pro-self-defense. I am pro. Are you pro a guy being like, I don't need the police. I'm gonna go stop crime. No, I'm not. No, no, not if you are. Not if you don't work for us. Because that's what Kyle Ritten, Kyle Rittenhouse, went to Kenosha, Wisconsin. Those people were out there uh, protesting, and he thought they were gonna burn down some buildings, so he went up there with his gun. That's yeah, a vigilante. I yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't agree with that. I'm just, but I, I feel like a part of me wants to say that if you've been affected. Personally, I can go. I, I I get why you did what you did. You 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 have these feelings towards yeah. But if you just victimization and criminals. Right, but if you just at home and like chilling the couch, where you one day you was like, I'm off work tomorrow and listening to the police scanner. The police scanner. He's like, you know what? I'm gonna take this in my own hands. And you go out there running around with a mask on and a gun and just shooting people, willing you know, just like willy nilly for no reason. Saying I'm clean, like, come on, like, no, I'm not, no, I'm not with that. No person should be running around with a gun at all. But then trying to, you trying to uh, solve crime? No, I'm not, no, I'm not with none of that. I agree. I think that um, Bernie Getz, for the initial headline, I'm on his side. Yeah. He was being robbed. He had a gun on him. He pulls it out and, you know, defends himself. But when you start to dig deep into who he is and his beliefs and what got him to this point and, it starts to become murky and weird where it felt like this was vengeance related. Yes. It wasn't just a spur of the moment. I have a gun on me. A guy, you know, like um, you see those videos, like closed caption um, videos of people working at convenience stores in the middle of yeah. the night. Somebody comes in to rob the place. You pull your gun out. It's a shootout. I need to defend myself. I'm all for that. But you going around in the middle of the night to places that are not safe. And I'm not saying this is what Bernie Guest did, but it, it feels more like it when you get the full picture putting yourself in situations where something dangerous could happen because you know you have a gun on you and you want to hurt people who you think are criminals. 
So you're hoping they do criminal acts so you can now be justified in hurting them. He said it, he said it himself. As soon as that kid told me to give him $5, whatever, however he said it, I was like, oh, I'm killing all of these dudes. That's crazy. You know? And then he just pulled his gun out. Bang, 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 bang. And then he's putting, doing finishing shots and stuff. That's no. That's vigilantism. Warning shots, shooting it in the air, shooting people, shooting them once, shooting one of them. I think you shoot one of those guys, they're going to leave you yeah. alone. He was like, no, I'm going to shoot. I'm killing no, I'm, everybody. I'm, I'm attempting to kill these people. Yeah, that's, a vigil, that's the vigilante of it all, you know, and that's the, but then, so look how it goes full circle. After discussing what we just discussed and all that stuff, the Travis Rudolph, Rudolph case we discussed in the beginning, still justified? Oh, yeah. Yes. Even though he ran out yes. of his house, chased him down. That's all in the spur of the moment, though. I don't, I don't, I don't see that's all being. A, I don't think that's being the same category. Okay. I'm want you as far away from here as possible. Don't. I'm. I'm sending. Yeah. Don't you come back like that ever again. Period. Okay. Does and that doesn't apply to Bernie Getz? No. I'm gonna leave it at that because I don't agree or disagree. This is a tough yeah. one. I'd love to hear people's thoughts about vigilantism, the Bernie Getz case. Um, you know, any, any other, I don't really know a ton of other vigilante type of scenarios. I'm sure there's tons of them, but I'm just saying like, you know, do we, you know, like what is Batman? You know, do we, are we pro Batman? I know he's a superhero, but like, he's a guy who goes, no, fuck that. He's Bernie Getz. He's Bernie Getz with a million dollars, you know, with multiple billions of dollars, you know? (laughs) So it's like, you know, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how I feel about vigilanteism. I feel like there's. Calling yourself a vigilante, I think I'm against what you're doing. But if you find yourself in a situation where you're defending yourself and you do something to protect yourself or your family or someone else, you step in and help somebody else, I think that's great. But if you're doing it, it was premeditated, I don't think that's okay. I think that people, because it's a slippery slope when you just start saying people can just start deciding what's illegal and going and stepping into things, you know? So, yeah, man, I mean, you know, it's a crazy world out there. You just got to take your pick on what kind of Bernie you want to be. Made off. Gets Bernie Sanders. Hey, man, either way, you're going to feel the burn. So, um, (laughs) you know, I think that, you know, you just got to decide what kind of burn you want to feel in the world. Do you want to scam people, kill people, or redistribute that wealth? Feel the burn, Bernie 2024. Fran, what are you thankful for, man? I'm thankful, man. um, A lot of things. I'm thankful, you know, healthy family and everything, but... I, uh, one thing I've been thinking about lately, whereas, um, you know, mental health has kind of came up again. I think, uh, shout out to Ryan Clark, who's a football player who uh-huh. I, you know, I love listening to him talk, very well educated man. And he t- brought up the story about him and, his, and a friend that he grew up with a long time ago. And these three questions that he had that haunts him now, cause you know, his, his best friend committed suicide when they were in like high school, something mm-hmm. like that. And the three questions yeah. I wanted to come on here and ask you before, you know, you kind of give out, trying to give up or talk about what you're thankful for. I do want to ask, and I, and I want people to ask their loved ones and close friends like that they don't talk to a lot, or if you talk to them every day still, to ask them mm-hmm. these three questions. And the three questions was, I, I'm, and I'm talking to you, you know, mm-hmm. are you good? Are you okay? And do you need anything from me? Hmm. Am I good? Yes. Am I okay? Yes. Uh, I'm, pre- I'm pretty okay these yeah. days. Yes. I would say yes to both those things. Do I need anything from you? 
Um, no, I, 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 I do. Um, we've discussed this, but I, I do want us to get back. Not that it's been uh, a long time, but I think it's important. I, I want us to get back to uh, friendship. Yeah. You know, I don't want us to just be two people doing this project yeah. together. You know, so I, I, I want us to get back to doing stuff when it's not a microphone right. on or when it's related to the yeah, podcast. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, but outside of that, I, I'm good, man. I, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm always proud of you and, you know, doing, doing with the stuff that you're doing and, you know, and living your life and raising a family. And I think that that's awesome. So I, you know, I just need you to keep doing yeah. what you're doing. Um, I was going to say, I'm thankful for air conditioning because it's been <laughs> hot. So you kind of, uh, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't have one. I don't want to say that anymore. So just pretend I didn't say that. And we're just going to Fran. <laughs> we're, we both said what Fran yeah. said. Um, yeah. so, oh uh, yeah, no. <laughs> but, um, on that note, uh, I've been Alvin Williams joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. We'll see you guys next Jesus week. Also guys, Jesus also guys, damn, check out the discord, go to the discord, affirmative pod, affirmative murder pod, uh, one, I mean, I have a one, I don't know, but affirmative murder pod, check out the discord. We're trying to get it pumping in there. We need some people to go in there and, and post some stuff so we can get it going. Stuff so we can get it going. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.